0: Hello, you're very welcome to episode number 79 of F&I Rap Chat. Today's guest, we have um, Jonathan Kesselman, who is an American filmmaker uh, based in Ireland. Uh, Jonathan is incredibly experienced, uh, very talented writer and director, working mostly in comedy. Uh, He has a a couple of feature films under his belt. Uh, Probably best known is um, The Hebrew Hammer, with uh, a well-known actor, Adam Goldberg, you might not know his name, but you definitely know his face from films like Saving Private Ryan. Um, uh, and yeah, loads, just loads. You know him when you see him. Um, and uh, yet uh, Jonathan also worked as second unit director on Ang Lee's film, uh, Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk. Uh, so it was brilliant to talk to Jonathan. Uh, it's amazing to kind of come across people like Jonathan living in our midst uh it was actually introduced to me by a uh, former guest, Ruan McGann um, and we were actually talking about and working together on a project and listening to him, I was like man you <laughs> have so much experience, so many stories we have to get you on the podcast uh, so yeah, there's uh, there's so many people out there that would make Brilliant guests for the podcast, so if you know anyone that maybe we're missing and we may we may not know about um or if you yourself are one of those people um please get in touch um and and let us know uh we're always trying to find uh different voices and different types of people that we can um talk to from all of the walks of the film industry. Uh yeah, so uh bit in bit of F and I news. There is uh, a course coming up, uh voiceover course and getting to make use of the brand new podcast studios here uh in uh Headstuff. So a uh, huge thanks to, to Headstuff while I can that uh, the, the work that they're doing here is amazing. Uh and they're building a new studio uh that's almost ready with all these new uh, podcast facilities, loads of studios. Uh, So if you need any recording, uh, hit them up. Uh, So the course is on the 16th of November and it's with uh, uh, the very well-known voiceover artist Roger Gregg. Uh, You can go back to episode 39 of our podcast and uh, listen to a very entertaining uh, podcast with with Roger. So he'll be giving advice about uh, how to... (laughs) give your best for uh, audio performance professionals. Um, so yeah, check out FNI for that. And uh, yeah, that's it. Uh big shout out to our sponsor, Wildcard Distribution. Uh, they have a new film, American film. Uh, if you're into your zombie horror films, uh, check out uh, uh, the Little Monsters with Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, it looks very fun I think it's, it's out uh, weekend after next so um, check that out so let's go to Jonathan Kesselman
1: in a world <laughs>
0: That's where people good.
1: make podcasts. <laughs> One man.
0: <laughs> That's. Did you ever do any?
1: I do voice. I have a voiceover uh, job on Monday. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Sound great. Cool. Right. Thanks yeah. so much, Patty. Enjoy. Thank you, Patty. Goodbye, Patty. Uh, I don't know if, uh, should I, if I'm silly. I'm sorry.
0: No, no. All right. All right. You're th- you. So you do a bit of over? Yeah.
1: Uh, here in Ireland, I never. I mean, you wish know you want to talk about it. I'll tell you now. Yeah. Yeah. So when I got, I just got out of here a year and a half ago, and I just, you know. I was teaching part-time just trying to figure out, you know, how to get in. And my friend Mark Doherty, who I, I write with, was like, you should do voiceover. I'm like, know, I'm not an actor. He's like, no, you're American. You're a token. You have, a, like, a you're, trust me. And I'm like, really? And so I started did a reel, and then I got signed by Voice Bank, and I've done, like, four of them now.
0: No way. So yeah. what kind of stuff are you doing?
1: I mostly have done, far- like, I did a pharmaceutical thing twice, you know, talking, you know, it's for <laughs> rapping that's got medicine on it. Okay. Uh, the one I'm doing on uh, Monday is the vision network uh i read the script briefly it was uh, what are they just some corporate thing but i guess i want an american voice and then i did a video game which was exciting because okay. i did like do characters where i would do that character
0: cool yeah what, what was the character
1: it was a snake well okay so i had bronchitis <laughs> and so i was supposed to do two I was supposed to do an evil genius kind of thing and i just my i was so snotty and gross the guy's like He's freaking out, I could tell, because I'm also working production. And uh, I was like, fuck, I'm, you know, I'm like dropping the ball. And he's like, how about this this evil snake? And so I did the evil snake and it was fine. But uh, <laughs> very scared. Like, I was like, Jesus Christ. I'm the guy who's like, the actor comes in not prepared and he's like, all fuck. Actually, I tried to cancel because I was like coughing and. Right. You know. Yeah.
0: Evil snake with a bit of a cold. Yeah. <laughs> Dying snake. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, cool. So maybe just uh, give us. A little bit of background, Um as I say, in your CV, is huge. So many films so and features. Uh, maybe just tell us how you ended up in Ireland. Okay, yeah. So, um, my wife is Irish. I met
1: her in New York uh, about eight years ago. And, uh, you know, we got married and moved. Uh, we were moving around L.A., New York, New York. We come to Dublin over Christmas, drinking season, they call it here, apparently. And I was <laughs> like, I like to drink, so this is good. Um, and, uh, you know, we were sort of debating because our son is going to be five, and he, we were starting school. And Trump got elected, and I was having a freak out And then, you know, the school shooting thing, and it was sort of like, you know, we need to pick a place where we can raise him. Uh, you know, what's let's, let's be intellectual about it and put ourselves out of it. Like, what's the best place for him? You know, and it came down to us being sort of anti him getting shot in school. And you know, and just—I mean, it's funny because the Irish don't know how good Ireland is. It's like such a great country, and mm-hmm. it's just constant complaints about the weather. The weather is actually pretty good here, and and temperate. And you don't mind it? No, not at all. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, it's never too hot, never too cold. Um, people are great. Uh, schools are better and free, and yeah, people actually give a shit about you. It's not like America is a. Uh, I'm. I'm going to say I'm anti-American. I'm very uh, disappointed in the direction my country has gone, and, or my former country. I'm now an Irish citizen, or so will be soon. You got naturalized. When i naturalize.
0: I'm close, yeah. Okay, amazing. So. Um, yeah, I, I have... It's kind of mind-blowing for us to hear that, because uh, I have some friends and who are... Uh, he's Irish, kind of the opposite of you. He's Irish, she's American. And they're seriously considering moving to Ireland, and it's a huge factor that they... they don't want their kid to be shot
1: it's it's no joke i mean yeah so two years ago there was that mass shooting in vegas like for 50 you remember that one yeah
0: yeah
1: and i don't even know this a year later in california two states away in a town called thousand oaks where my dad w- w- lived for a while there was a reunion of these people who survived that mass shooting another mass shooting happened in that bar where these people were some died and some lived so basically you got people got lapped in mass shootings so- and so it's not like a, it's not like oh it can't happen to me. It it happens nonstop, and it's
0: yeah. I didn't even hear, know that. Yeah. It, like so, people. <laughs> that's my. That's crazy. So some people have been victims of two yeah. mass shootings. Yeah, they survived one and then died in the second, or survived twice. Oh my god. Yeah. That's it.
1: Yeah. And oh. not in the, It's like in two states, like California to Nevada. I mean, it's you know six, five, six hundred miles away. It's you know, it's a different yeah. yeah
0: wow so it was kind of a it was a no-brainer for you
1: yeah and you know i i really do love it here i love everything about i mean it's funny i fell in love with my wife and her irishness but i also fell in love with ireland and yeah, yeah so i'm uh i probably have rose tinted glasses it's not it never rains it's just a soft day you know it's yeah. That kind of thing. But, yeah, uh, yeah yeah
0: yeah but it must have been a, a decision in, in terms of your career that must have been how how did you feel about that
1: you know i mean honestly like talking to my wife about it she can kind of work anywhere and i can kind of work anywhere like this what i do and it's like when a job comes I'm, I'm you know pushing projects but the phone rings at random times and you know usually jobs aren't even in where in when i was in los angeles i mean i might be going somewhere else like i did three months in atlanta years ago yeah. in a movie um you know i wasn't living in new york i had to come back to la for a job so it's that wasn't an issue it was just you know and also, in between gigs, I teach, so that's a way to kind of, you know, and so I when I, I got a teaching job right off the bat, so I was, yeah. But, you know, I mean, there was always concern, but, like, you know, I'm still pushing the same projects, and me pushing them doesn't make them go any sooner or less, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. And where did you actually grow up? Grew up in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles, North Hollywood. Okay. Which it sounds cool, because it's got Hollywood in it, but it's actually kind of a dump. It's really? really? Yeah, it's, it's I mean... Sorry, North Hollywood. North
0: Hollywood. Anybody? No one in North Hollywood is listening to this show. But is everyone there, or not everyone? But is there a huge connection to the industry? I mean, just Los Angeles
1: in general is a massive industry town. So, which is it's actually I, I hate it because of that. Because right. you know, when I lived in New York, you felt special because you're you, you know everyone does something interesting, including you. But then in LA, it's not interesting at all. It's just you know, right. and there's also this weird desperation that people have in the business because. If you're working, it's great. When you're not working, you know your friends are working, and you, you know. And if you go to Los Angeles, there's billboards for every production. Every you know, right? And it's like there's all these people you know who are actually making a living, and you don't know what your next job is, and it's just a, a
0: panic constantly, Anx- anxiety, 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 exactly. As right. opposed to like you know, jobs come and go. I know this, and yeah, okay, yeah. Um, so when then did you realize that you wanted to work in the industry? You know,
1: I growing up in LA, I was always, I loved movies, I was obsessed with movies as a kid, but I was always scared of the industry because I didn't like the people that I'd met. Really? Yeah, I just thought I was, and so I actually uh, just thought I was going to be a neuroscientist, so I went and studied uh, psychology and got into a, a research lab, and and then as I was finishing up my undergrad, I realized I didn't like slicing rat brains, and it wasn't for me, and, uh, and I was having that existential crisis that we all have in our 20s, about what am I going to do in my life, and it's all falling apart, and then I saw a documentary on Your Show of Shows, which was uh, a really popular 1950s comedy show in America. It was Sid Caesar, but the writing staff was literally every great comedy writer of that, that era. It was like Mel Brooks, Woody Allen, uh, Carl Reiner. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, uh, Neil Simon, they all wrote for the show. And I, whatever, it's, it's me. It was like, that's what I need to be doing. I want to I write comedy. Right. And so I was in L.A. working actually as a, an information systems consultant, something I fell into out of school and trying to get anybody to help me. No one was really helpful because, you know, in this industry or at least in the industry in Los Angeles, it's a very highly competitive thing and nobody wants to, you know, have any new people coming in. And so I decided to go to film school. So I applied to the University of Southern California and I got in. And then when I was there, I mean, I loved writing comedy, but I immediately kind of realized that I actually liked running the show. I liked Production, I liked making, you know, bigger and bigger things, more props, more more actors, more chaos, and, like, the the whole sort of chaos of set. And I was like, I really, like, do you like this thing, the whole the whole thing, yeah, so.
0: Awesome. And so up until that point, had you just been a, a huge comedy fan? I was always, you know, I had a shitty childhood, <laughs> so I was
1: always, I was not funny. And then suddenly around 17, 18, I realized the thing that, you know, any good comic you'll meet or really good comic, there's something... Uh, something happened in their childhood and there's some sort of crack mirror the way they they see the world. And I sort of started realizing why people thought I was funny. And then I got very excited about being funny, but I wasn't like comedy nerd. I was, you know, um, but I just, you know, I knew that I was very good at comedy. Yeah. um, And I wanted to learn how to actually do it. Like, I also have this memory of being really unhappy 13 or 14 and seeing a sitcom. And I, it's embarrassing that I actually say it's this sitcom, but it was like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and I remember being really miserable but just laughing hysterically at something and I was like, it was a, 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 a insight where you could be really, a laughter is really pow- powerful, you can be really unhappy but, you know, it's like instant bliss, instant sort of leave Break through. Yeah, break through that. Yeah. And I was like, that'd be really powerful to be able to do that for other people. Like, so, it, like, if that makes sense, like, it'd yeah. be cool to that someone did that did that to me. I'd love to yeah, try to make that happen for, you know, yeah, so. That's cool,
0: yeah. And what were, what would you say are the, would be the influences, big influences on you? Well, I mean, I would, you know, 20 years
1: ago when I first started out, I was very much, you know, I would only I would immediately say Mel Brooks movies. Like, I loved History of the World. But also the, uh, the Zucker Abrams guys, like, you know, the Airplane Naked Gun. Like, yeah. I love just, I like, there's so much, there's so there's the density of comedy. And it's so, you know, and that, you know, and I I'd had this thought. It's like, you know, if you're going to do comedy, you know, if I spend $20 or twenty to go see a movie now, the more laughs I have in that, you know, that hour and a half, that's a more successful comedy. As a like a horror movie, it's the same thing. You know, if I am scared the entire time, that's a that's a better genre film. And uh, so I like the fact they could just you could just could, or in hysterics from from start to finish. Yeah. And and what I like about Mel Brooks and them a little bit too is that, you know, it's, I love stuff that kind of crosses the line that pulls it back. Like it's just you know, you know, otherwise what's the point of doing it if you can't like you know, you know, push things a little bit. Yeah. And,
0: a which is a, edge.
1: yeah it's kind of hard to doing that now and this okay. i have to it's become a, a pr- thing in my career the, the the current situation in the world it's interesting time to make comedy because it's people are various everyone's offended by everything and mm. so no matter what you do you're yeah
0: yeah it feels like there's almost like a new i don't know like a subgenre, genre nearly or like it just feels its it's really in the zeitgeist when you look at like bill burr and dave chappelle their new shows are really pushing it yeah talk, but, like, but talking
1: about it which is great And yeah. joe rogan too is I, yeah. another guy i mean just yeah i just watched bill Burr's special recently and it's yeah. it's good and, and ricky gervais is another one who really is great this, this is somebody needs to be talking about this because yeah. it's like it's become um uh it's oppressive a little bit like it's yeah. like it's 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 a weird time to be Male uh, to, <laughs> yeah, to yeah. be quote unquote white, even though I'm Jewish. But like in America yeah. or in LA, I'm, I'm, I'm apparently I run the industry. Like it's just it's a weird time to be. <laughs> you're,
0: you're the man. Yeah, I'm the man. You're the apparently. lizard yeah. people <laughs> who are <laughs> running everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 So um, yeah, like yeah, it's it's uh, it, I, we're not. Really, there yet, or would you see it's a different climate in America than it is here? Oh, much different in America. I mean, yeah. America's got all sorts
1: of other issues, like the racism thing is the number one, you know, like that. You guys don't have that here, you guys don't see race really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think just Irish people are better educated and I think less hysterical. Um, I think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm again singing the praises of Ireland, but it's like yeah, it's a night and day. It's a much more, it's a calmer, saner place here than it is in America. It right, just okay. feels like everyone's going insane right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what was kind of your first? Did you start making shorts, or how did you break in then? Yeah, so if, film school. I mean, I, I wanted to make shorts,
1: and I was working that consulting job, and I just could not find the time. It was like a full on corporate job, and I was getting paid well, but I hated it, miserable. And I knew if I didn't like get out of that. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't make a lot of money, but I was going to be just, I'm going to be dead at 40 of a heart attack and miserable. What age were you at that stage? 24, 25, something like that. And so I decided to go to film school. I applied to USC. I got in. And then the great thing about film school is that you're forced to make a lot of films. Yeah. You know, so my first semester I made five short films, you know, where you do every job. So it's like, you're literally right one week, you shoot the next week, you edit this and you keep to do that five times. And to get in... Did you have to do a portfolio, or how does the, that yeah. work? So for the is graduate school there, um, it was a really hard application. Right. It's a very competitive school, and I didn't get in the first time I applied, mm. and I was crushed. Um, but it's you know they actually they don't care about film, past film work. They aren't looking for people who've already got film experience. They're looking for people who have done interesting things in other places. So okay, um, so it was a, you know writing sample. You know, GRE, which is like the, uh, I don't know if you guys have a standardized test here for college, but like the, the SATs for undergrad, the GREs for graduate school. It was a couple writing samples actually of other things, like some fiction, um, just a lot of stuff. And I didn't get it the first time and I, I was crushed because I had a really good grade point average and I had just, it was my dream. That was, I was one school USC, that's where I'm going. And so, I quit my job consulting and I went on a walkabout. Like, you know, I, in my head, I was going to go to Australia and just, yeah. you know, just do weird, weird drugs and random people. Yeah. <laughs> so I went and on the way, to, just as like my own out of spite kind of thing, I'm going to turn the exact same application in for the second, so, you know, the next semester. And I did. And I got back and I got in. So like nothing changed. Nothing in the application changed, but I guess the people who, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That seems to happen a yeah. like, You just never, never, you know. never know. So yeah. yeah. I mean, and so my
1: first semester, <laughs> I made five films. My fourth film I made was called Subterfuge. And it was like a, 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 like I like, you know, it was a fake action movie. There's this, there's this, a secret corporation that's got this package and they're hiring these spies going around and, at one point, there's this black. And at this time too, you could shoot in the airport with the camera. and Nobody gave a shit. This is before nine right. eleven, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And so, like this, this black friend of mine, an actor, he, you know, he picks up the package. He goes in the bathroom. He starts, you know, undressing. And you cut out of the bathroom. Cut back in. He's now like an orthodox Jewish man. And his code name was the Hebrew Hammer, master of disguises. And it got a really good reaction. People were just laughing. And, yeah. And so, so, kind of riffing on. Um, yeah. Black Jew, black, of, black yeah. Jewish, yeah. like just you know, yeah. it, you know it, again, race is a real big thing in my yeah. country. So it's yeah. and and as is religion, and so like um, so anyway, I when I had to write my next semester short, you know, it was going to be a sixteen millimeter short. It's like it was called this class is called five hundred eight, and it was basically two people crew. So one of you writes and directs while the other one shoots and edits, and you guys, you know, and so my partner Mike Kenny and I we teamed up, and I was gonna try to figure out what I was going to do and. He's like, you have to do the Hebrew hammer. And I'm like, okay. So I started researching every black exploitation movie. I just got all the yeah. you know, the the videotapes I was watching Shaft and Dolomite and Superfly, yeah, yeah. trying to understand exactly how they work, like what what it was, you know. And What's then, your favorite one or or what? Well, they're all, I mean, like, on the truth, the truth is they're all kind of terrible. Terrible, yeah, yeah.
0: I've seen a lot. <laughs> but,
1: like, if you want to laugh for 20 minutes and then it gets old, Dolomite is pretty, you know, it's pretty because it's so the filmmaking is so bad. It's almost like Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, like right. the booms yeah. and the shot and yeah, like yeah, yeah, people yeah. dropping lines on camera. And that's the one Eddie Murphy is doing, yeah. Arim,
0: or not a meme, it's, it's kind the of the story a of bio, his life, or, like right. a biopic, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so that, which is great. The guys who wrote that are USC graduates, and they're the one. I mean, they did Ed Wood, and they, like they, they're amazing writers. Uh, Scott uh, Alexander and Larry, I can't pronounce his last name, Karazowski.
0: Okay, um, but yeah, they did. You know, they did Ed Wood, but so that, sh- that movie should be great. Yeah, it, yeah. I, just, I actually just saw the trailer it Yes. Good. Yeah, yeah. It, does, it looks fun, um, and yeah, because I remember I went through a bit of a phase of watching like Is it Pam Greer? All those stuff. Pam
1: Grier almost did the movie. I I, I had talked to her on the phone. While I was you know, and I had a part for her, but I stupidly didn't rewrite the part to reflect Pam Grier it was like an older, yeah, woman in the movie. You'll, yeah,
0: and yeah. So yeah. I think I insulted her. Sorry, Pam. I, <laughs> I just was busy and I didn't okay. do my
1: due diligence as
0: a, as a writer. And did you, how did you kind of blend your upgrading? In kind of a, a Jewish household.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I think a big part of the movie and why I connected, because it was it's kind of a cult movie in America, especially if you're Jewish in America, you, you probably have heard of my movie or right. seen it. Yeah. Um, so there's like five, no, there's a couple, couple hundred thousand, I don't know, whatever it is. But, yeah. um, you know, I was conflicted growing up because I'm less so now, but I would I felt very culturally tied to being Jewish. Like, I mean, my family is very stereotypically culturally Jewish, but right. I hate religion. Like I, okay. I mean, after like, you know, age 13, my bar mitzvah, I, my mom tried to get me to go to like, uh, uh what, what I don't know, your confirmation, like basically, you know, more religious studies. And I was like, nope, i started ditching and just, I just didn't believe in it. Yeah. But I, I felt really connected to being Jewish and mm-hmm. there's a re and in, a lot of Jews feel that way. Like they've, you know, and it's, and, it, and it's like. You get it from all sides. You know, if you're, you know, if someone's religious, like you, it's so, so the point is most Jews are culturally Jewish, but not religious. Yeah. That makes sense. And no one was sort of hitting that. Yeah. And then also the racial thing. Like I always had, you know, I grew up in LA and it's a, you know. My school was eighty percent not white, so I mean, you know, I, I was a minority. So a lot of my friends are Hispanic mm. and black, and so I never understood the whole black Jewish sort of you know rift in New York, or why you know. And it was, to me, it's the same thing, and so it's all that. There stuff. is a kind of a, no, a known thing, or yeah, yeah, there was, and I think that's. I mean, it's just race is such a weird. It's mm. I, and it's It's nice to be here because it's not. It's there is not. It just doesn't. I mean, there is an immigrant thing, but it's not. It's not a racial thing. You know, mm. right? if that yeah, makes any sense. it's not
0: as deep seated. Like we it was just us for so long. Yeah. <laughs> um it is interesting that you talk about that. I I feel it, it kinda echoes kind of an Irish thing as well in terms of uh most of us now are like generationally kind of lapsed Catholics or were but we grew up in it. But I despite myself, you do have kind of a connection yeah. to the culture. Yeah. Like you know, I'm I'm an atheist, but I'm not a Protestant atheist. <laughs> well, I, my, my wife is Catholic, and she grew up in Belfast during the Troubles. I I get it. I didn't get it at first, and right.
1: I have a movie, I, an Irish movie, and there's an American comes to Ireland, and he's on the the, the Troubles tour, and he says something like. You know, you guys are both white and prayed to, played, played to the same Jesus. Like, I don't understand.
0: Like, what's the what's the issue exactly? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah, so. yeah. Um, so, but that did did well for you. You went to Sundance, with it? yeah, yeah. So the film. It, I, so I did a short film. Uh, it
1: became sort of a cult. They're not a cult. We became hmm. like a hit at USC. Yep. Uh, Agent saw it. Uh, was like, are you writing anything? I was actually writing the feature film, and then it just kind of took off, and so it got financed. I made the movie in New York and this is, I mean, I went literally went right out of film school to make the
0: movie and then it got into Sundance and awesome. yeah, yeah. Um, tell us what it, like in terms of going to those kind of festivals, uh, hopefully some some of our listeners will be lucky enough to go there. What, would you have any advice for how to get the most out of them? Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> it's t- you know what? I, I don't know if I have advice. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I don't know if sun i mean sundance it, it it helps obviously it will legitimize your film it doesn't make it doesn't necessarily mean you a distribution mm. and in fact, my film didn't get picked up there it got picked up by comedy central a network after and then a small independent distributor put it out and so back then they it was a weird deal where uh you know the people they the comedy central this network spent a half million dollars on a million dollar film to to have it the the t v rights for it right they put it on their deal was they have they want to put it on t v six times before it came out in theaters. So this shows on TV six times. Commercials in Comedy Central. Right. We have no marketing money for the theatrical, which is like eight screens, and so it was like you know, maybe five thousand dollars total marketing budget. So just wow. no one knows it exists. And then, so but back then box office was a big deal. Oh, your box office wasn't great. Whereas, but like a million people saw it in Comedy Central, and then yeah. for five more years it started people started seeing it there, which is why they call it a cult. Where it's like, yeah. you know it's not like so. I mean, I, I had no control over any of that. Like I you know I wasn't producing, I wasn't in charge of distribution. I knew it was the, the worst idea and actually hurt my career because for a while yeah, because people love the movie but it wasn't a financial hit so like I just made it made me a writer for a while so I was like writing screenplays for different studios and um, which I know that sounds great to everybody listening mm-hmm. it, it is for a second you know but it's yeah. not because nothing ever gets made and so you spend you put all this creative energy into something and you get excited and then mm-hmm. it just nothing ever gets made and okay. so like the, you're basically just you're writing stuff for someone to read and then put in a drawer okay but you do get paid for spec scripts there. Yeah, well, spec scripts less so, but like this That's is, right. uh, so specs and or writing assignments. So, right. but still like nothing ever gets made. Okay. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, and particularly now nothing ever gets made unless it's on Netflix or if it's, you know, based on an Avengers, Marvel, you mm. know, it's just. Do you feel you've seen kind of a decline? Oh yeah. I yeah. feel like movies, I mean, when I came out of school, movies were the brass ring. I mean, I, I mm. focused, you know, primarily independent film and, and film and, and that's no longer the case and to my own detriment like a lot of my friends went on television are highly successful financially and i just was all about movies yeah and movies are it's it's a it's a hopefully it will change it feels like it's at least independent film right now feels like a dying art form because i don't know if no one's figured out how to monetize stuff or yeah yeah, i don't know
0: yeah you know for filmmakers it's it's still what we want to do, I think.
1: Well, you know? I, mean, here's, I mean, here's my why I love movies more than t- TV. And I, I'm doing TV right now, and I like TV. But with a movie, you just have more time to think about stuff. So there's more thought goes into everything. Mm. You have more prep. You have more time to get better shots. So everything is, you know, everything is that the hour and a half or two hours. Every frame has been really sort of, you know, every ounce of your creative sort of world has been poured into that. And so yeah, it just, you know, they feel better, look better. And also, like, I... I I like to have a story told to me in one go, like in an hour, and like and be done. Like I've topped, you know, you know, I, and, and you know, I, I can enjoy watching Netflix, but I have a five year old and I'm working, and it's like I can't binge, you know. It's like, yeah. I can't, so I, I want to see one movie that I just really connects, and yeah. So yeah.
0: I, I'm kind of the same at the moment. I would have gone through a phase where it just there was just so much amazing TV, but now I, I really appreciate just a good movie. Sorry, I'm drinking water. No, don't no, worry. <laughs> yeah. um, like and. It's weird now, even with, like, Netflix and that, there's just so much stuff, and you're, like, well, you can be watching something, and you're, like, this is great, but I'm just not that into yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? Whereas with a movie, like, it's funny, I'll go see a movie that, that's okay and go and see it in the cinema, but I won't, sometimes I won't put it on a film that I know is probably great yeah. to put it on a TV. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's certain movies that you need to, you know...
1: Yeah. Like Chris Nolan's movie, you're not going to go see Chris, you're not going to watch Chris Nolan's movie on your iPhone, you want to...
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. I just feel like, I don't know, you feel better. Well, you know. also, I
1: mean, for me, comedy, like, and I miss it, but, you know, like watching, you know, the, you know, I have a lot of friends who are stand-up comics, and they get their joy getting laughs, like, when they're in, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't want to be on the stage. I get my joy, like, when I sit in theater, in a dark yeah. theater with, you know, the stuff that I'm stressed out, you know, the stuff I've thought, you know, hearing the laughs. And, yeah. And being with an audience. And as you know, with comedy, more people in an audience, just, it's like a communal sort of, it builds, and it's mm. and it's exciting. And, yeah, and to not be able to have that, it's like you can't sort of like see your
0: work yeah. as much. Yeah, um, like if you could go back, say around that time, I, I guess it's it's such an important time in your career, your first feature. Yeah, um, was was there be anything that you would do differently?
1: Yeah, I mean a lot of things. I was twenty seven years old at the time, and so I was you know good at the comedy part and the film part, but bad emotionally and bad. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, I just was a mess. I was twenty five, I was a twenty something year old kid, so I didn't right. know anything about my business. Right, and so like I had a, a manager who was not great for me and agents are not like just I didn't know how to navigate any of that stuff and it was you know these are really intensely (laughs) agents like that whole thing is just a different thing so I didn't Mm. yeah you know how to just sort of navigate those people and how to you know stand up for yourself and How to, you know, comport yourself in business settings and, you know, what just whatever. I like, I remember after I made a movie, like, I went to a meeting and someone was like, We have open writing assignments. I'm like, What is that? Like, I just, no one gave me any sort of like, Here's here's what you should be trying to do. I didn't know what to accomplish is let's go to these meetings and meet people. I'm like, Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. And like, (laughs) because we don't really have agents or managers or that kind of thing. You guys like, are much, much happier people. Do really? Okay, think, yeah. it's a better system. Yeah, I mean, I've had agents and managers for 20 years and, I,
1: and they don't really ever do anything for you. You get your own work and so right. I, I can, you know, if I have a piece of material I want to sell, I can you know, get my manager to take it out but he'll ha- take it out half-heartedly or, right. you know, it's and, and it took me like many years to realize that and this, everybody, everybody I know in Los Angeles New York who has an agent or manager, they're not happy with it because they don't do much. They take 10% for as little work as possible they have a thousand people calling them to you know so yeah and so the the idea that you have this person is going to change your life because you have them it's you know and then oh i'm special because i have someone representing it's like no you would just have somebody taking money from you to not do the stuff that you're going to be doing
0: anyway to get work so right okay so not to depress
1: you guys but you know yeah
0: get your own work yeah yeah um yeah, Do, like, is there any merit to it? Would people take you any more seriously if you have one? Or? Yeah, I mean,
1: in, in Los Angeles, yeah. Like, right. you can't, you know, I mean, if you're not known to get meetings, you're you're, you know. But honestly, yeah. the truth of the matter is you could, you know, have me, you know, list me as as your manager and I'll I'll call for you. Be like, hey, it's John from the, the so-and-so agent. It's like, it's just... It reading not really It's yeah. just gatekeepers and they're just, you know, they they want to there's a lot people love what we do people i mean people everybody wants to make movies and tv so there's a lot of people trying to do it and a lot of not great people getting in trying to get yeah. in so it's like there's a there's like the system built into place to kind of yeah but there's ways around that i mean that's if you have good material then yeah you'll, you'll be fine
0: so in between your own directing work you're doing yeah gigs yeah kind of writing like sort of working in yeah uh comedy rooms and that kind of thing done that and so i mean you know i mean so i taught
1: last year and things i would always tell my students are like do everything like you know mm-hmm. so i write i write direct movies television commercials um uh, um i've d- d- been in writing rooms i've done just written scripts so like you know anything that's film or
0: television related yeah um yeah so maybe tell us a little bit about working in a comedy room they are starting to come in now yeah. or, or we're start producers starting to experiment with writers rooms like how how do you get the most, or how do you, um, like it, it, are you kind of jostling for attention? Like how you does it work? Be. You shouldn't. Right, be. So okay. how
1: it should work is yeah. there is a head writer that's you know usually the creator of the show the you know the whoever sold the script who's I you know who the, the great thing and then you give a writers room because you have a lot of TV or a lot of content you have to make
0: mm.
1: and then you also want in comedy particularly. The more ideas and brains and other, you know, my cracked ways in the world and your crack ways in the world, yeah. you're going to have different angles on jokes. So how it usually works is, you know, the whole writers' the writing staff meets with the head writer, yeah. and head writers is basically there to, you know, kind of set the stage. You know, so like what what's it, what's this episode about? And so you guys are everyone's riffing on what the story is, yeah. and once you all crack the story, and it's easier to crack a story with more people. You know, kind of with you know. Once that story's cracked, also jokes are being pitched and all that stuff's being written down. Yeah, and then you know, because you're doing multiple episodes, then that head writer will will give that episode. So like you know, one of the one of the writers, you go and write this episode. Mm. That writer goes off, writes a pass of the episode. It comes back. It might just be, you know, there might be another pass of jokes and riffs on that thing. It's yeah. all you're, you're all doing, you're all working to make this thing better. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so and ultimately though it, the the final pass will go through the head writer. It's their visions. They want to make sure that you know their voice and stamp is on it and. And so it's better. Like and so the fact that you guys don't have writers rooms is very strange to me because like I don't know how TV gets, you know. Yeah. I'm working on a show right now called Gander and you know we're, it's being funded independently and it's low budget. So um, I brought on my friend Rob Cutner and Rob uh, is was a writer on the Daily Show for almost a decade. He won like 5 Emmys uh-huh. and he was right on Conan. And so he, he I he, I've made him the head writer. So mm. he takes a pass and then he and I go back and forth and we write. However, we have guys out here who have been working with like David McSavage or Carl Spain who'll you know contribute jokes. So like yeah. basically, Rob's sort of structuring. He's like, "Hey, team of writers, mm. whoever wants to be involved in that, here's some things I need ideas for." And then he throws stuff out, and best idea wins. And he, you know, we're Rob and I are both old enough where it's not it's not ego driven. Right. It's like we want it to be the the funniest. If it's funnier than what I wrote, that's, that's what we're going with. Yeah. Like you know, I just want it to be good. You know, yeah. so
0: that's kind of how it should work. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. It. It sounds like when it's working, it's the most efficient way, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't
1: know how comedies, if you don't have a staff yeah. of writers pitching jokes, I mean, it's going to be kind of samey very quickly. Yeah. And, you know, and in, 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 in these comedy rooms, like, they'll get writers that have different strengths. Like, oh, that guy's good with raunchy stuff or that person's really good at political stuff or that person's, you know, so you get. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe talk about some of the weirder. Jobs no. that you All right, so I will tell you, and I've told this before, and I don't care because I, the worst, best paying job I've ever had in my entire life was I wrote for five months for WWE, the World Wrestling Entertainment network, yeah. for Vince McMahon, and um, in Stamford, Connecticut, and it was wow. That's a, that's <laughs> not that's not how a company in a writers' room should be run because okay. and, and it all starts at the top. He's you know he's insane. Right. Uh, he's basically like, he's a friend of Trump's. He's a billionaire. Yeah. He has a broken childhood, and, you know, and he's just, yeah. Good so, kid. Yeah, 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 he's a, yeah. Um, So, like, at that place, actually, a friend of mine who, after I, so well will just kind of got into it a little yeah. bit. Um, when I started the job, I, first of all, I hate wrestling. I never liked it. I had Hunter contact me. I'm like, how'd you get my number? Oh, we yeah. can't tell you. I was broke. Oh, I love wrestling. And I had to have the interview. It's the best thing ever because yeah, it's, yeah. you know. And the money was great. Um, right. But uh, so when I, the, my first day starting... Uh, one of the writers pulls me aside and he's like, listen, just so you know, if you are can give your two weeks notice, don't, you know, like just quit. I'm like, well, wait, what? And, and he's like, yeah, like the guy whose seat you took, he, he gave his two weeks notice on Friday and they just escorted him out of the building. With all of stuff it was really embarrassing. I'm like, oh, OK. And so and while I'm in this, writer, this writing room with five people, five people literally go through that room. So by the end of the time of my, myself being in that room. I was, like, one of the senior guys in that one room. One a
0: month leaving. Like, yeah. yeah.
1: So, like, the guy who hired me, he got escorted out of the building. Vince and him had a, a falling out. Um, the guy who was driving me up and down, he quit. Another guy quit. Uh, and it and it was just brutal. And, like... Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and anything you did, it doesn't matter because the night of, Vince just re- rewrites it. And I'm putting up quote fingers because it's, you know, you're a bad guy. Last week on Raw, you hurt my mama. So I'm going to, like, it's just, you know... right. I wouldn't can call it writing, it's just you know, but you know, but the stuff I'd be doing would I'd be writing dialogue they they don't w so, w e doesn't call things what they are in, in you know in the world, like you yeah. know we have scripts and we have dialogue and so yeah. dialogue in w w e land is called verbiage right, so um, you know like you're writing <laughs> verbiage or um a scene it's not called a scene it's called a promo, so okay yeah Because it, it, it started off like it's, it was a sort of carnival, and they'd never actually had real film and t v people they just kind of made up their own language for that's hilarious yeah <laughs> yeah so um and this was a big part of the job is to understanding the language of it because right. like you know for example I'm sure if you're wrestling fans you know this stuff but like a good guy is a baby face mm-hmm. a bad guy is a heel if you're um if you are a good guy and you fought all the good guys you're you know you basically they need to turn you into a bad guy so you can fight not all the bad the good guys mm-hmm. are the bad guys so you can yeah. get the most out of you yeah that's so, like you know a heel turn or a face turn there's things like gimmick the word gimmick is interchangeable for things yeah
0: um I heard the word K Fab.
1: K fab, yeah. So, so K Fab is like mean. Yeah. keep it quiet. Like so K- no, the whole notion that wrestling is not fake. It's fi- it's fake. But like people still you know wanna Vince won't like let you behind the curtain. There's no writers on the show. So K Fab is like its top secret. It's you okay. know you're you're, you're protecting, you protecting know, the notion that it, the wrestling is a fake thing. And if anybody believes that wrestling is not fake, you should move to America.
0: <laughs> Are there is is there really people Oh yeah! Right. Oh yeah! Yeah yeah. Okay.
1: And and I didn't realize how massively popular wrestling is mm-hmm. and why so. I mean, until they put me on the road, which was the. I mean, I had one week on that, and I was like, I was out. All I, right. You know, but um, I'll tell you, if you want to talk about that, we can. But like when I was in this small Podunk town, middle of America, at an arena, you come out and the streets are lined with people, signs, screaming at mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just a, a writer, like, and I'm like, what the f- what the hell is going on? Yeah. Like, this is so massive, and I like it's, it's so terrible.
0: It's so yeah. So,
1: so you didn't enjoy it? No. no. I, I, I needed to pay off debt. So, I enjoyed that part right, of it. Okay. My my now wife was my girlfriend at the time. And, like, she was like nursing me, like, sending me off with a, like a lunch bag. You're going to be okay. It was just like the bully, like, the guys from the road. So, there was a mix of real writers, like, from Hollywood and, you know, in New York, but, like, you know, yeah. playwrights, writers, film, TV, and wrestling people. Right. And I'm not, like, I have friends from now from that, that who are wrestling people. But because Vince is and that whole sort of system is just shits on people. Everybody right. just comes in shitting on people. So these guys are coming from the road and just torment like certain right. Like there's this one writer who I really liked. He was a a, a guy from Los Angeles, really talented writer, yeah. but he just, you know, he, he never, Figure out in high school how to not get bullied and so, <laughs> and so like they would ju- it was just i mean it's so hard to watch and like not and you can't like you know if you say something then you, you become the target and at one point early on i saw what was going on and one of these wrestling guys comes up to me and starts you know trying to like do what he was doing with this other guy and i, I turned to him and the other guy's jewish and i said you got the wrong jew and i just gave him an icy st- And from that point i was like it was all good and uh, i right. did my you know i knew how to like not get bullied in high school kind yeah, of, you yeah, know what i mean yeah, like just yeah yeah i can actually fight you even though I can't you know yeah but yeah but you stand up for yourself your
0: Posture, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah wow so it's it yeah did you i guess you probably built up a a pretty strong bullshit detector oh yeah, yeah. You know i mean i mean i grew up in LA and i yeah <laughs> so i've been in meetings say. with
1: people like real production companies where you're pitching something there's not even a script and go, someone said to me well, i'm gonna schedule and board this this and i'm like it it's a pitch there's no what what are you scheduling exactly like it was yeah, yeah just you know like yeah so as you get further along in the business yeah i mean in la the the thing in la is that people are the everybody is so confident everybody talks with so much confidence and mm. as you know in film and TV te- no one knows anything i mean like mm. it, it's you know you can have talent and be good but these people who are sort of making decisions they are in those positions cuz they're really good at making you think that they are they just are super confident and smart and they are mm. smart people but they've just they've had to develop their yeah yeah was there any gig that you really loved you really enjoyed yeah yeah I, uh, right now the gig I'm working on I'll tell you about that I, yeah. I'm having a, a great time uh, yeah. One of my favorite jobs I ever did Was I was second unit director uh, For Ang Lee In his last movie Called Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk
0: uh, Oh yeah I've heard of it Yeah I yeah. don't think it got
1: a release here I didn't no, no. It's so you should check. I mean, I still it, it got mixed reviews, but I loved, I thought the movie was great. Right. And the, and the reviews were focused on the technology, and that's something that's something else.
0: But okay, uh, so maybe just tell us
1: about, yeah. about it. So that's the movie's it. based on a book. It's set in two thousand four during the Iraq War. Right. And uh, it's about um, this this troop of soldiers um, who essentially are flown out uh, to. Uh, the halftime show for the like Dallas Cowboys football game Super Bowl they'd like to basically be marched and sort of shown off as like you know patriot you know they're basically using soldiers as props for patriotism okay. and all these guys have like PTSD and you know and it's like sort of a, it's a it's a, not a satire it's basically sort of a, a comment on war and how we sort of you know how America is selling war and selling soldiers and so, and so it's a great movie right um, and so for that job I, I i was tasked there's you know those movies set in this football stadium there's you know a jumbotron the big giant screen do you guys have those here on the stadiums um not really but I, I, i've yeah. seen that <laughs> so the Jumbotron's kind of a character in the movie like it's constantly you know ads are kind of ironic and you know like there's a i did a, a fake penis like a fake viagra ad. i did okay. you know so it was a lot of fake commercials um sports pump-up films um and then also uh during the halftime show, which is all very subjective. Like they're they're on the field having flashbacks as a power are going off. Right. They needed me to shoot like the what what would actually be at the NFL game. So it was six cam. like I basically shot an NFL I directed an NFL style sort of unit where Aang and his team they pulled everything off the field and I came in and just my my guys, we shot six cameras and then yeah. So cool. it was great. Yeah. I mean so a lot of fun. And yeah. Aang was amazing. Yeah. Uh it was it was cool to you know, I got. To, I was. A, I was a head of a department on a fifty million dollar movie with like John Toll was the, the, the DP. So I'm working with these guys that I, you know, that I never would have thought I'd get to work with because I do comedy and I'm not like an Oscar, you know. Yeah. And but I was like, I can hang with. I can play at this level, and that felt
0: really good. That was really good confidence wise for me. Cool. Yeah. And how do, how would a director like that work with this second unit director?
1: It was great. So I'm mean, basically, you know, I had to sort of. Think I so my first job was for to figure out what was uh, needs to be on that jumbotron. Nobody knew mm. what was there. Two thousand four, no one knew what kinds of commercials or what what would be on it. And right. like so, I had to sort of do like about a, a couple weeks of research yeah. to try to figure out. And the thing is, this is pre-self, like you know, the you. you ubiquitous cell phone like where everyone's got cell phone cameras so yeah. there's no footage on the internet of like football games so I, it's right. like I can't find that stuff so I was like sneaking into the booth and talking to the person currently working at the Atlanta Dome where we shot it was like you know and so getting getting a sense of that and then yeah. also knowing the script and his shot list what what key moments needed things like there's two specific things that had to be very very sort of like you know targeted that were on camera yeah. and so pitching different versions of like you know here's a, here's one kind of you know ad and and also, he wanted the, you know they wanted things not to be funny, but like sort of slightly heightened. So it's yeah. you know, it is satirical, but like I, I I kept I kept getting pulled back from being funny, which okay. is like I was like okay, that makes sense to me. Okay, but um, and what kind of a satirical edge. So like yeah, kind of like so for example, I had I did a public service announcement on book reading. Like where the, one of the athletes. It's a, it's just a, a you know. A, 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 as an actor, yeah, he's just most essentially brain dead, and he's got all these kids around. He's talking about book reading, how he likes to book read, and he can't actually <laughs> read the book. And it's, but it's like, it feels real. It feels okay. like a public service announcement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, then on my on my uh, uh, phalotrix is my Viagra anime Phallatrix, <laughs> there's like you know ten, there's like a twenty second rant about all the side effects. You know, like basically death, and you know, but like it's it's not over the top. It's just you know, you, if you're listening, you're like, what the hell is
0: that? Yeah, 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 cool. Um,
1: and then he. There was a one thing he was really sort of, you know, so he, we shot the movie in Atlanta, even though it's supposed to be set in Dallas. And while he was doing research there during games, there's a Samuel Jackson public service announcement, like where he's almost, it sounds like he's a Pentecostal preacher, but he's not, you know, it was, and it was like, you know, footballs are religion. And, and he just, Ang was really kind of obsessed with it. And I kind of started looking at it. I'm like, you know what it is? It's like they're conflating football and religion. That's why you, that's, I think it's why we're, that's why you're excited about it. Mm-hmm. So. I took that to the next level. I made this guy in a white suit with, you know, these cheerleaders are dressed with nuns and they pull off their nun outfits and they're cheating. And they're, 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 yeah, so, so that, it was great. And so they sit with him for a couple hours, yeah. give him all these options. He tells you what he wants. Then I go off and I go write these things, you know, and then, yeah, basically just making it happen for him. And then also, yeah. you know, one of the other things too was that, that foot, that, the, uh, that halftime show, they didn't know how to do that. Like, and I didn't, I never, never worked in the NFL mm. And so I figured out how NFL games are shot You know, where the camera placements are There's six cameras And where they are in the stadium Yeah And then I did homework And like, so during So g- during a halftime show You're not going to see On TV uh, Necessarily the actual The six You know, you're not going to see what's in the stadium So I had to figure out what's actually in the stadium Because that's what I was recreating mm. And yeah And so then Convincing them that like And they were like You should just kind of For the week we're there Just kind of try to pick off shots so I'm like, that's not going to work I mean, because I, I'll right. be in your shot And it's like I was like, honestly, just give me one pass. Like, you know, you're doing this, you're shooting this halftime show for a week, and yeah. it's like this massive. It was a massive production, like yeah. a fake Beyonce and fireworks and right. marching bands. And I, I was like, I thought about it a lot. Like, you really, if and you give me six, if you give me one pass, I have six cameras. You can cut it however. You're perfect. It'll be exact, and it was, and they were happy. Cool. But it was cool because, like, on the day, it was very nervous because, like, I'm tied to Aang, so I'm looking with Ang the entire time. And then there, he's, I'm getting ready to go, and he walks up, and he's like. You know, I'm like, so Aang, if you need me to squeeze in on anything, and anything you want, he's like, no, no, you do your thing, you do your thing. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so then I'm going to shoot. So I have six monitors up and there's John Toll on one side and Aang on the other side looking at my stuff. And I'm going like, oh, this is so surreal. This is so,
0: wow. yeah, but it was great. I mean, we, yeah, know, we all did, we did a good job, my my unit. Yeah, so it was. Uh, That's great. And um, when you saw the film, did like, it features your work? You can, not, not as much as I
1: thought it would. And right. in fact, like stuff, like I remember going to the editor with like, you know, and he had, I, I, yeah, I'm not. I, you know, there's. It was. You know. Yeah. It's always. It's always going to be not what I. You know. Yeah. But like my stuff throughout. I mean, I see my stuff throughout the entire movie, and it's like every TV. Also, one of the things I learned too is that, in a jumbotron, every TV in the stadium has your your footage on it. So like I had and, and this technology Ang was using, um it, it's 4K 3D 120 frames per second. So it's really really. Only it's like 40 times more clear than any movie you've ever seen so everything's in focus so while I'm doing tests and looking at this this, this high res footage stuff that would always be out of focus like TV's in the way background of the stadium you see every single TV so it was like I had to cover all that stuff there had to be footage stuff that, yeah. Right, yeah so you see I mean it's cool I mean, my stuff is throughout that movie yeah. and you know so yeah, I mean uh, and you get to watch a master at work yeah and it was just the level up. I always thought I was really anal, and he's made me make look. He made me look much less anal than I thought right, I was. Okay. And I learned a lot from him, and actually how he approaches stuff and going for it. I, yeah, I mean it was good to sort of, yeah, it was good to see him
0: work. Cool, and I'm, he's great. He's a great guy too. Like, he would, right, yeah. Is that something that you've kind of come across? Uh, like a lot of those guys are generally like the best people are nice guys or yeah. Are, what, what have you? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, if someone's really,
1: really good, they're usually really good people. Whether yeah. that's from you know other other you know whether it's musicians, yeah, or you know photographers I met like you know uh, there are exceptions. People I know have worked on movies of other like massive directors who are just horrible to work right. for. Right. But but I think mean, for the most part, if you're good, it's not. It's I think people are, are in, when the ego and insecurity is a thing, it's because you're you're freaking out on the inside, and so you're just lashing out. It's, that's your way of mm-hmm. making people not think that you don't know what you're doing or something but Mm. if you know what you're doing and you're a human being you can you can talk to people you're not going to do that to people you're just gonna get the work done
0: yeah um maybe yeah so we touched on it there maybe talk about what you're working on at the moment yeah so um so the last six months i am show running
1: a show called gander and so show running in the sense we call it in the states is Mm. i'm basically producing directing and writing but i'm not the the lead writer i brought my friend on but it's my the show is basically my job to make it all happen yeah and Gander is um, a comedy show sort of in the vein of, if you've, you guys have seen uh, uh, John Oliver show on HBO.
0: Yeah, we, yeah it'd be popular here. In the last few years with YouTube, uh, we can actually see those things where yeah. we wouldn't have grown up watching even like SNL. Okay. We kind of had to buy DVDs yeah, of yeah. their sketches and stuff like that. But yeah, so now we would have, guess uh, like, yeah, that kind of comedy, that kind of political comedy, like. John Oliver, um, the Daily Show, Trevor Noah, Seth uh, Myers, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So
1: it's it, it like it's like John Oliver's show or Patriot Act in the sense that every episode is based on one piece of research and it's on one topic. Um, you know, uh, like food delivery services are, is one of our episodes. Um, uh, one of our episodes on the cult of work, you know, exploitation yeah. of death. Unlike those shows, which is just a guy talking at you for 30 minutes, our show is multiple international comics as presenters. So, like, for example, in one of our episodes, it's Lewis Black, Adam Goldberg, Maz Jobrani, and Erica Rhodes. Then also sketches and animation. And then also on top of that, there's an expert who weighs in. So it's a wild format. It's really fun. Yeah. Um, And it's an Irish production. So. You know, although I'm shooting comics in America and in New York, I'm sorry, <laughs> LA and New York. I'm also most of I'm also have uh, Irish comics like Dave McSavage is 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 one of our uh, presenters as Jason Byrne, but then all the sketches I I do here. So yeah. it's like it's half Irish, half American, but it's all it's all basically an Irish show, um, and it's yeah, it's been really exciting. We have one done, and we're cutting five simultaneously, and uh, yeah,
0: and in terms of the the political stuff or the, you know, the issues that you're, how, what's your approach in terms of, so it's really cool. And I've seen one, one of the episodes, how you kind of, it's really funny, but you really have a take home. Like Thank I i am very uh, skeptical of food delivery services now, you know, yeah.
1: how do you approach that? So, um, so first off, it starts at the top. My, my, the guy funding it, uh, Kieran, your executive producer, yeah. you know, he, you know, this was the idea of the show was his. Yeah. And then it was sort of like, for ed- so editorially, the I- topics he wants to take on, he very much wanted to do food delivery because I didn't even know that was going on. And it's like, you know, and then. What and is
0: then, it? Maybe just give me, what's the evil thing about them?
1: So when you order, I, I, I don't want me to the water the episode. You no, basically, I, yeah, if you order from a food delivery service, you're costing the restaurant 30% per order every single time. So they're going to, you're going to, by using those services, you're going to put the restaurants out of business. Those services don't actually do anything except have an app. And, yeah. and aggregate stuff it's just marketing it's just yeah. marketing yeah. they don't actually do anything but you're they're literally going to shut restaurants down and put restaurants out of business right so call the restaurant is the takeaway okay but so that you know, kieran had already paid for research he bought research. I mean, he hired somebody like a, a lawyer essentially to research right. it and we hire other researchers and so now it's been a collaboration between me kieran and rob uh rob cutner in terms of you know episodes so the last one that we we decided to do was planned obsolescence because I love and I hate Apple and other, you know, where like they keep changing the ports and slowing down your phone. And Mm -hmm. it's, that's all by design. And so we, it's not just technology, it's other things as well. So we talk about that. And so, yeah, I mean, and so then we get a piece of, so then the process for us, we get a piece piece of research and then we give it to Rob. Rob sort of structures it like how are we going to, you know, how do, how do I make this? Like, what, what are the, the 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 comedic conceits? How am I doing this? He outlines it, and either we pitch out, you know, to me or to other other writers, and we come stuff back to him, or he writes a draft, and he and I spend a week rewriting it. You know, yeah. I mean, for you know, yeah, I yeah, that's kind of it. And then, then we, then I produce it. Yeah, I make it happen.
0: Um, and like, and you, and do you find it that the the jokes come quite easily?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this twenty years, and yeah. the comedies that the jokes are the easy part and the fun part, you right. know. Whether it's screenwriting, the structure is the harder part, is the the more laborious sort of you know making it all fit and work and feel seamless, and the, you know like the, the the thematic stuff all working. Yeah, you know the fun stuff for me, the yeah jokes are always easy, and you know, same for Rob. It's just that's kind of how her, her brains work, I guess.
0: Yeah, and th- this feels very kind of current and like kind of the way things are going like do you feel like you're you're on the you're kind of on the right track
1: yeah you know it's funny because like <laughs> and when i went up the first month to la uh, you know i was shoot, shooting this and i I brought adam goldberg who was the star of my first movie on yeah. and you know and i was kind of like oh, it's a web series like dude it's this is this is it's all web series it's all streaming like there's not yeah. like i was like oh you're you know, you're right and so tv is what is tv really anymore because netflix isn't tv it's streaming that's the internet so yeah so yeah, I mean, it's it's all content. Like I know how to make good things. And one of the things I said to Kieran, my boss, when he first hired me, is like, I will make it good. I'll make it funny, and and it'll be it'll be high production value. Yeah. What I can't make it is successful. And I learned that from the, my first week Hebrew Hammer. I can't. I'm not control marketing distribution. Right. I don't know how the I don't know how social media works. I don't want to know. That's not my job. Mm. There are much smarter, better people in marketing, mm. social media. Like so. So essentially, when we're you know we're getting ready to launch, and I said to him, "This stuff's not leaving this office until we have some experts here with a plan, and like you know, because I'm not making a cult, you know, yeah. internet com, you know, whatever it is." Yeah. And yeah. he gets it, and so we actually have a a team in place, and so yeah, it's exci- That's exciting to sort of make sure, hopefully, that it goes out because it is good, and I'm yeah. proud of it. And the other episodes are coming in, and they're really you know, and there's some really great people in it. Like we have everybody from Jay Moore from Jerry McGuire's in one. Yeah, Rachel Dratch from the, from SNL and other things is in one. The kids in the hall who are some Irish uh, people don't know who they are. They're a massively famous uh, comedy troupe out of Canada that in the states and Canada are like it's almost like Monty Python actually level. Yeah. but they're that. Um, you know uh, who else do we have? that's really Russell Peters, one of arguably one of the most successful comics in the world.
0: It's incredible. Yeah. So
1: it's been. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the cast is really good, and yeah. and the writing's really good, and, yeah. and and it's you know yeah, so I'm I'm excited for people to see it. And
0: uh, you must be like a kid in a candy store. You're you're able. To, it's kind of a great vehicle, and you're able to use uh, all of these contacts that you've built up over the years, yeah. and then you're able to work with uh, comedians and actors in Ireland. Yeah, and it's like uh, there's all these you know and what's been fun is meeting
1: meeting all these comics in Ireland, and you know it's, it's you forget how regional comedy is up until now, and hopefully this will change that because. I didn't know who David McSavage was. I didn't know who Jason Byrne was, you know, and there's comics in the, London. that have, like, four million Twitter followers. I'm like, who is Kevin Bridge? And it's... Yeah, yeah. And it, and it's this weird disconnect, and it's, like, it's going to be kind of cool to cross these people, because by the power of green screen, these people are all interacting with one another. Yeah. So Irish, and it's all the same show, um, and it feels nice to make it international. Like, it's not, an, it's not necessarily an Irish show, an American show. It's just a show of... And we want to expand. We want it to be... I want to get... The UK comics have been a pain in my my hole right now. The agents, managers in that in London are there's something going on over there. I don't really know, yeah. But I I think I have a, uh, I have a, a situation. I had something a way to solve that. Okay. But I want to get German comics. I want to get yeah. you know I want to get comics that can speak the English as a second language to have some note uh, some 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 notoriety in their in their region and bring them you know yeah, be kind yeah. Of, because. It's a low-budget show, but it's like, I, you know, I just need me and a couple of pieces of crew and, you know, a, like a, a green screen somewhere and I can make it all happen. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's, that's been fun. Yeah. Also, it has been fun is because it's so low-budget, I have to pad my crew with a lot of my students. So I have a lot of my former students and, you know, uh, some are still in school and some just graduated acting as crew. I'll bring, like, a, a higher professional DOP, and so it's me and that DOP and then the rest sort of students, student ADs. And that's been good because they're they're getting trained up. They're they're getting they're they're learning to be professionals. It, it's also been stressful and exciting because I have to do a lot of things I've never usually do, like I'm placing mics and nice. dealing with you know, <laughs> I'm actually sometimes shooting and I don't like I'm terrible at, at lighting and it's like I have right. to do it you know. So yeah. but but I'm learning and so like yeah. I you know stuff I had stuff I was kind of like I don't want it's not my job.
0: It's like now I have to make it my job and so yeah that's been good too. That's interesting. You kind of reverse this. Yeah. So you, like you know kind Of started now, especially in Ireland, is you have to be a jack of all trades, yeah. And you hopefully kind of build up and hopefully, uh, have more people to help you. But it, I, I started, I just, I just
1: jumped into directing, and then suddenly, <laughs> like, I'm wait, wait, what? Wait, what is this radio mic? What, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it's it makes you not dangerous, you know, on future stuff. It's like, I'm glad I know all the stuff because yeah. it also takes you know when you're starting out, production feels so overwhelming because it's so many parts, but, you, you know, but if you know all the parts, it's not that, like, it just becomes the frame, and it's very simple, and shot sizes, but once you know what everything is and what everyone's doing, it becomes, it, it takes that sort of panic away, and it's that's nice to, you know, as younger, I was always nervous about things. There's, like, nothing, there's nothing going to be thrown at me that I'm not going to be able to, you know, at this point. Yeah. Like, I know what, you know, yeah.
0: Is this all-consuming at the moment, or do you have, like, the next feature you want to make I have four features I want to make but okay. and because I'm, it's all consuming
1: I, you know I, I'm relying on producers to push them but that as anybody in this, who's yeah. trying to do stuff you still have to be pushing yeah. so I have a movie in Ireland that I'm really excited about it's actually my you know it's a, my passion thing and I'm you know yeah. we, I wrote it with a, an actor and, uh, and writer here who's really talented and amazing a guy named Mark Doherty who yeah. had a film called A Film of Me In It and yeah. he's on that show Finding Joy and I call him Ireland's treasure because he's he's a he's a treasure, yeah. And yeah. Uh, we wrote a movie uh, called On the One Road, and it's um it's in the vein of like planes, trains, automobiles. It's a road movie, but it's an American comes to Ireland, and it's sort of like local hero across with that. So it's culture clash, where okay. yeah, and it's really funny, and and uh, and yeah, trying to get that going. And we did it with Film Ireland Screen Ireland Screen Ireland, uh, Screen it, Ireland it, and yeah. then and then it's not with them anymore. It, that's we can talk about that if because that's probably more of interest to your your because I've had an outside perspective on the system here. Okay. But now we're doing Northern Ireland screen. They they took over the slack that... Uh, okay.
0: But, yeah, so there's so that. It was it maybe just wasn't moving quick enough?
1: Or? No, it's like, well, interest. you know, so we were approved. We had a project manager, and, you know, there's so... My understanding of the system, there's four project managers who handle everything in Ireland from idea to deliverable of the film, mm. which is insane because, yeah. you know, that's there's a lot of stuff, the co-productions and productions being done in Ireland. Yeah. Um. And so, you know... Dealing with that project manager's notes and with script editors in the north and the south because it was a cross-border movie. Right, everyone's happy. We're approved. We start looking for money, but then the project manager, after every three years, they they have to they renew their content. They okay. have to go away, yeah. and yeah. so the next one comes in. And there's no continuity, and yeah. this person doesn't like the movie, and and there's not like and there's no no one's paying me to rewrite. It's just sort of like, and so then the producers took it to the north, who actually you know had wanted more of a stake in it, and they're like, well we'll just we'll do. okay. But it's just, it was frustrating because it's like, you know, there's not a lot of money in this industry here and I'm not, I wasn't doing it for, I'm not getting paid like an American rate to write the movie. I'm getting paid thousands of dollars as opposed to 75,000, you know what I mean? Yeah. And all this work to to make it go and then like, oh no, no, it's, it's..." and then I go see movies that this person who didn't like my movie backed and I'm like, that's just unwatchable that, you know, like that from a script level Mm -hmm. and there's no... Yeah. So, but I want to learn. I want, you know, I'm here I'm Irish. And I, you know, yeah. I think because I'm, there's this perception that I'm American that I'm, I know, I mean, I'm literally getting my, my passport. Like, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I'm going to be here. And you want to make films. I want to make films here and I want to yeah. make films in our, you know, so it's sort of, yeah. So I want to figure that out because, and, you know, RT is another one too. Like, you know, I mean, there's not a lot of stuff here and it's like I want to get involved. And mm. I'm so, and thank God for Kieran. Like, thank God for the show because I am getting involved now. But yeah. yeah so, uh,
0: yeah, I mean, it's hard to come anywhere, but you're coming from a massive pond to a tiny one. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I like
1: this pond. Um, <laughs> also, I'm trying to work, I've been working on for a while, and we're having a hard time. Adam, Adam Goldberg, the star of Hebrew Hammer, we've been yeah. working on trying to get a sequel going, and it's been, we raised like $125,000 on, you know, equity crowdfunding. And it's just, we actually, <laughs> we were close to investment. We had a, one of our investors who was going to put half the money and just died. So that
0: that's oh, good. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a setback I guess. Yeah, yeah,
0: Jesus. Um and are you do you have to go back to the states much or only for like for the show I've gone back? Um okay. yeah, I mean yeah, I
1: I mean this summer I was there three times so right. um I, yeah. I could not
0: travel for all and be very happy. Yeah, and I guess you know with the internet now you you can still keep all your your kind of your circle Oh, it's it's what's been fascinating working on the show is that
1: and 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 this show could have been made ten years ago. Like I'm during the day I'm producing, I'm texting with somebody in L.A. and in New York simultaneously, and having meetings in Dublin or you know and and like literally working four different places at once. Yeah, and it's just you know it's FaceTime or a text. There's no difference. Yeah, yeah. And as long as you can you have you know
0: your connections here and it's great. It's like and and it's exciting and so. So. You're working on it at the moment. Um, when maybe will our listeners hopefully be able to watch?
1: We are discussing, putting it out, uh, the first one, and it'll be one a month, I think, mid to late November. Great. Um, I don't know which one will be first. We're sort of figuring that out. Cool. And, you know... Um, if you let us know... Um, yeah, the show's called Gander, G-A-N-D-E-R. I don't know what the okay. site's going to
0: be, okay. but Gander. Closer to the time, we'll we'll yeah. give it a little plug. Thank you very much. No problem at all. Um, when, say when you were starting out... Uh, is there any piece of advice that you could would give yourself? Yeah, um, it,
1: the, it's ups and downs constantly. You have to know that, it, and it's the most you know. If you're getting into this for money, and I knew this going in, but I, you don't know it. it, it sort of, it'll actually kind of yeah. think you know. Yeah. If you're going this in this because you want stability, this is not the job for you. Like mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so, don't freak out when things when you're not when you, you, and the phone's not ringing. You don't know what the next job is. Don't freak out. It, something always comes up. It's just you can't control when that thing is and what it is. Because no matter what you push and what you're most passionate about, it might be something else, and it's that's fine. You can take all that energy and passion put into that thing, but you you know you can't control that. So let go of that control, um, and you know don't yeah, and enjoy the process is another thing. I used to, I was caught up in the result. I want, I need this to be the best thing ever. And so I wasn't, I was so stressed out and making something good. I wasn't enjoying the stuff that I love, which is every aspect of it. Like the collaboration with the other writers or yeah. crew and like just being on set and like that, you know, we're, we're a weird breed filmmakers. We like, there's like this sort of like to do 14 hour days and be tired and exhausted and lifting heavy shit. And it's like, we feel good about that the next, you know, it's like, yeah. and I, it's like that physicality I like. And it's like, you're making stuff and it's exciting. And, so like, like key to that stuff, don't stress about the career because like I, I, I said, I remember I was telling somebody the story, I was broke once in New York and New York's a really brutal town to be broken as a mm-hmm. filmmaker. And I'm, you know, in my shorts uh, you know, going on the subway and I'm passing wall street and all these, you know, all these guys in these, you know, really expensive suits just look like they were about to die. Just so miserable. Like they were going to have a heart attack and they am sure they have houses in the Hamptons, but they were so, and I'm like, you know what? i'm wearing shorts on a monday it's all it's all pretty good those guys are miserable you're miserable and oh, it's yeah. like getting, getting to be creative and making things is is a, a i mean it's a gift it's a it's great it's bad it's magic and we get to do our things it's an amazing thing and it's just when you're not doing the thing don't think your life's over just know that something will be coming around and you know make opportunities for yourself and just meet people
0: and yeah yeah keep hustling keep hustling yeah yeah cool Jonathan I thoroughly enjoyed that, that Same. Was great. you're great thank you so much I uh, appreciate cheers. it thank you for having me cheers uh, uh, yeah and um, keep in touch with the show and let us know what's happening with Gander and uh, we'll definitely push it it sounds great thank you so much I really appreciate it